evening everybody we are with our first Q&A for the month of October October the 1st the 10th month is here and we'll trust God for great things in this 10th month amen so amen number of completion okay 10 months and we shall expect great things Hallelujah. we always expect good things amen. and great things because our God is a good God and a great God amen so session 137, we have lots of questions. And this uh, evening, before we go to the questions, we shall look to the Lord. Father, we just thank you, Father, for who you are in our lives, Lord. You are truly our everything. We want to thank you for this nine months, for bringing us all through, Father. Now, as we stand here in the beginning of a new month, we commit ourselves, all the listeners, into thy hands, the whole church everywhere. We pray, Father, go before us. Make all our crooked paths straight. The rough road smooth. Not just for our sake, but that the Prince of Glory can come. Amen. You may be glorified in our midst, O oh Lord. This evening, we pray for wisdom, discernment. As we look into the questions, we pray our answers will be true to your word and to your spirit. We commit ourselves and all the hearers into thy hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor Vijay. Uh, Pastor, we'll start with the first question. Uh, it says, um, we tend to make unwise decisions by investing our time, effort, and resources into plans, projects, and investments, which at times lead to anxiety, stress, confusion, and loss. For example, Ananias and Sapphira. The rich young ruler, he could not give up his worldly wealth and follow Jesus, Please who go. is the way, the truth, and the life. But do you not agree we also need to plan? How do we balance all down of the this? How do we balance all of this? The rich young ruler, he could not give up his worldly wealth and follow Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. But do you agree we also need to plan? How do we balance all of this? Okay, going back to the beginning of that question. Uh, we make unwise decisions by investing our time, effort, resources. But if you look at the two examples given over there, both Ananas and Safira and the rich young ruler, one of the, one of the fundamental issues here, if you look at it, the unwise decisions we primarily make, the unwise decisions we primarily make is because we don't deal, deal with the issues of the heart. See, we will invest our time and effort and resources wherever our treasure is. Yes. The rich young ruler hmm. is a call of Jesus to follow him. He walked away. And Anessa Safira coveted for something which they would have got freely. <laughs> okay, but they coveted for something when they saw Barnabas doing something. So that's where the issue actually lies. If you want to make wise decisions, the only way is that your heart needs to be clear about God. And that's what God actually says if you look at Matthew 6 and verse 33 and then 34. Because in it, time is mentioned. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what you are going after, it will fall into place. There's an order. It will all start falling into place. It's like, I know we have used this example many times. And uh, this prof brings this glass. Then he brings uh, few stones. Then he brings a cup of sand and a cup of water. And then he says, different versions of it, he says, he said, watch me. And then he put the stones first and he put it into the glass. Then he put the whole sand in and shook it well. Then he poured in the water and he saw that everything fitted into one glass. And the reason is the order. The order was he put in first, the big things in first. That's basically what God is saying. If you don't have this order in your life, prioritizing, God comes first and his righteousness. You will always have disorder in your life. Mm. You will always waste what God has given us, our time, the general will of God. Mm. And then the specific will of God comes to them. Yes. Okay. Two dreams are given. But these two dreams are pointless. It is not going to come to pass if he is not stayed on the general will of God. Because Samuel is walking in the general will of God, one day the very voice of God comes to him and gives him his specific will that you are the one who is going to replace Eli's priesthood. Yes. Okay. And that is, that is how it happens, you know. So basically, we waste a lot of our time, energy, resources, anxieties is because we don't put God first. And his kingdom, his kingdom first. He's talking about his kingdom first. Okay, priorities are there. So Jesus is saying, behold, in the volume of the book, it is written about me. I have come to do your will. So in the volume of the book, both things are there. One is a general will of God, and we also discover the specific will of God. Okay, you need to understand, when you understand the specific will of God, this is what God wants you to do. Then how do you equip yourself for the specific will. It is also through the word. Mm. It is also through the word. If you have whatever whatever your calling is, you go through the word of God and the spirit of God will lead you, teach you, speak to you and say, this is your specific calling. This is how you equip yourself. These are the promises you need to hold on to. These are the things which you need to be trained in. These are the proclamations which you have to make. This is all part of it. So that's what he's talking about. It is written in the book. It is written in the book. So every time it is written, Jesus will say, John will say, you should be baptizing me. Mm. But he says no. Okay. He's walking in the will of God. Otherwise, he said this was because scripture could be fulfilled. Okay. That is how we escape. But the major issue is the idol of self. Mm. Idol of self. And that's what Jesus is talking about, that if any man wants to follow me, that is fulfill the will of God in your life. He has to pick up his cross daily. He has to deny himself. He has to first deny himself, pick up that self. That is what Ananas and Sapphira were taken down. The rich young ruler was that self. But the thing is that, Again, fundamentally, this truth has to be deep within us. 
that God is good. When I mean God is good is that what God has for me is better than anything I can think for myself. Even my best dream for myself is incomparable to what God has for me. And therefore, based on that, I can always... Here it says, Behold, I have come to do your will. In the psalm it says, I delight to do your will. Why should you delight to? Okay, Delight. That's what Jesus is saying. He Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith, who endured the cross, looking at the joy that I said before. Mm. He looked around the other side and says, What am I going on? Even Paul says, that, Look at the list of what he goes through. He says, These are momentary afflictions. In the light of the weight of glory that is said, no? Because you have to look at anything that is actually good and righteous in this life and put it into infinity on the other side. That is eternity. That's what the Bible says. The world and its desires are passing away. We start losing. We are losing. The desires are passing away. You know why? Because this body is incapable of sustaining those desires. The body is wasting away. Now you enjoy cricket in your head, not on the field anymore. The body doesn't say, just go back, sit to the stand and watch. Otherwise, two days you'll be taking leave and sitting at home. Right? See, the most of the pleasures as you grow older is only in the head. And it, it actually gives frustration because the body says, okay, I cannot go, I cannot cooperate. Okay, So that is what God is saying. He's going to give us a new body going to give us a new body. But how are we going to maximize it there? By doing his will over here. Otherwise there will be a lot of regret in heaven. Okay, There will be a lot of regret in heaven because we will see this was what God planned for me. Like we said in Second John chapter 1 verse and 8. verse 8. 2 John 1 8. 2 John 1. Look to yourself that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. You're working for some things where? There. Don't lose it. Just don't lose it. Think about think about Ananas and Sapphira. They were saved, baptized, spiritual believers. Just blew it away for something so stupid. Something so stupid, they blew it away. They just lost it in one day. I don't think they were, they lost their salvation, but uh, they lost their rewards. That's not the way to reach heaven judged. <laughs> okay. So that's what uh, the Bible is talking about. So the only way you can maximize your time, your energy, your resources is going to the God of time and resources and energy and surrender and say, Lord, this is all yours. Tell me what to do. What you say is fine. What is fine. And until you say something clear, I will walk in the general will of God. I'm not going to change my trajectory. I'm not going to jump in and go do this because it looks so good. No, I will wait. Because Jesus waited 30 years. It's unbelievable that Jesus waited 30 years to do the work of salvation for which he came. 30 years. That was his father's time. Anyway, that's what he told his brothers. Your time is always, but not my time. Not my time. Father's time, father's ways. And then when the father's time came, the Bible says he went to the temple. 
Then it is written, he went in secret. Because that was the father's way. The brothers wanted to go him in public. The father said, not now. When the time came, father said, not public, go in secret. And then at the end of the feast, he revealed himself. Mm. You know? yes. That is the best. That is the best. God's way is always the best. And we have to consistently each day go back and deny ourselves and pick up our cross and follow him. And you will realize we can. If you go back to that question, the first part of the question, we can save ourselves a lot of anxiety, stress, confusion, and loss. Okay. The first thing is deal with the idol in your heart. In this case and all, they were coveting for something. You don't have to covet for something. Because the race we are running, which we need to understand, the race we are running, nobody is competing with anybody else. Nobody is competing with anybody. Each one is running his own race. And if you finish your race properly, you will get your full, full reward. reward. Amen. You will get your full yes. reward. What your status is on earth is irrelevant. irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant. You will get a full reward from God. That's what happens. And it doesn't matter whether you are a pauper or whether you are a prince. It is Irrelevant. Run your race. Finish your race well. And at the appearance of Jesus Christ, you will receive your crown of righteousness. That's what Paul says in Timothy 4 8. He says, Not only me, but everyone. Everyone. Okay, everyone. And the Bible consistently talks about that one fact. Okay. Yeah, 2 Timothy 4 8. 2 Timothy 4 8. 7 and 8 actually. Yeah. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous church, will give to me on that day. And not to me, but only, not me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Look at that word. Throughout scripture in the new covenant, that term is used. What the difference between people in the church and the people in the church who are looking forward to his appearing. Their lifestyle is different. The second group, their lifestyle is different. Everything connected to finishing the race is a set of people who are looking out for his appearing. Their sanctification, the way they run their race, their work, their life, everything is completely factored by this thing. The Lord could come any day. Mm. Any day. Any day. That's consistent through the Bible. So that is something which we have to keep. I could meet the Lord. The Lord could meet me. One of these things is a certain eventuality and can be any time. Mm -hmm. And be prepared for that. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, the second question also is again on similar, on similar lines. It says, uh, due to insecurity, we look for security in other things like money, property, um, position and job. <clears throat> Would you say insecurity makes people adopt illegal or unfair means? Young people become victims or perpetrators of drug addiction, mugging, robbery, uh, robbery and antisocial activities. Queen Athalia, the daughter of King Ahab and Jezebel, massacred all the members of the royal house of Judah, except Joash, and usurped the throne. She was the only woman to reign as monarch in the history of divided kingdom. Don't you think this was insecurity that, insecurity that drive people to involve themselves in illegal activities, like in all these cases? Insecurity is only one factor, just one factor, okay? It's, uh, 
Some people may find their security in money, property and all, but after a point, it is not security. It's power. It's it is not security. It's a lust for power. For power. Lust for power yeah. It's a lust for reputation. It's a lust for honor. It's a lust for the glory. If you go to Luke chapter 4 and verse 5 and 6, yes. if I'm right. Yes, 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 you are right. Okay. Yeah. The devil taking him upon a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. There are two things. For this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Okay, this is true. This is, he can't lie to Jesus. He says, in this world system which I have created, there are two things people look for. One is power. The other is glory. One is power, one is glory. And he says, you worship me, I can give it to you. And his means are always illegal. Hmm. People are looking for that. Okay, There is power and there is glory. Okay, There is power. There's, there is a legitimate uh, power that is there. But we are not satisfied with legitimate power. Even with simple things, simple things that we own. Okay. Let us, uh, <clears throat> let us talk about what is the purpose of a watch? Look at the time, right? That's the only purpose of the watch, to show the time. Because one, if you have, if you know your time, you have power over how you manage time. Yes. Okay, there is power. But are we satisfied with any watch? <clears throat> any watch. Okay. And it is sold to us 24-7. This is what you need because it gives you power. It gives you glory. It gives you authority. They sell it to us. Sell it to us. Okay, board meetings. And when you wear this and go, you are exemplifying power and glory. That's how it's sold to it. And that's what Ananias and Sapphira wanted. They wanted a glory to be connected with the apostles' group. So mm. they decided, you know what, what we will do? We will sell our land. Because we saw Barnabas selling it and putting it at the apostles' feet and he was included in the eldership or whatever. We will also do that. But what we'll do is that we won't give the whole money. We'll put some money back and pretend we have given the whole money. Why did that is an illegal means? That's lust. Huh? That is lust. That is not the way you do things in the kingdom of God. And that's that's basically this is the two things you need to understand. That this is world system in which we look, and it has been created. Uh, it is corrupt in its very nature. Its very nature. And there is lust in us for that because we are born in the flesh in this world. Born in the flesh in this world. And this flesh lusts after us. Mm. Now go to Second Peter in chapter 1 and verse 3 and 4. The antidote to this. Mm. <clears throat> okay, the antidote to what the devil is offering is what God is offering. His divine power mm. has given to us all things, <clears throat> okay, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. How does it happen? 
by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature not the corrupt nature we have a corrupt nature but through the promises by faith we partake of the life of jesus christ which is divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust what is the primary lust for authority and glory glory God says, if you come through this, you fight this, and you come through victorious even at the cost of your life, he says, you will give unparalleled authority and glory in heaven. Mm. I'm offering you the same thing. Yes. But not the same way. Mm-hmm. He's offering you something temporary, and he will take you down to hell. I'm offering you something permanent. He says, I, if you overcome, in Revelation chapter 3, 21, if I'm right, if you overcome, he says, as I overcame. He overcame all these lusts. The devil was tempting him. Okay, The Bible says he was tempted at all points, yet he did not sin. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his, his throne. throne. What is he offering? Authority and glory. Oh, yes. Authority and glory. And ultimately, these are the two things. The poor man and all, he just wants to feed his stomach, take care, okay. But even the poor man, the minute something comes in, he has to be very, very careful about how he handles it. Everyone has to be very, very careful. Though every perfect and good thing comes from the Father. Yes. Okay, he will give you everything that you need in life. Only thing is that it should not touch your heart. That's why God says, do not love things Love the world or the things in the world because it, it, it don't love them. Use them. Even if the best you get it, use it. Does not matter. Use it. God has no issues with riches because He created riches. And in Jesus, He's crowned with riches and glory and honor and everything. He has no issues with it. But you see that it doesn't touch your heart. It doesn't take you away. Paul and Demas were serving together in the ministry. So whatever was tempting Demas was tempting Paul Paul too. Mm -hmm. It was tempting Paul more than Demas. Because more glory and honor was given to Paul than Demas could even hope of. But it's Demas who loved the world and went away. And not Paul. It's interesting. It is Paul who is standing before kings. It's Paul who is standing before authorities. Paul who for to hear crowds come. It is Paul on whom anointing rests. Demas is with him. And Demas flips. Paul never flips. Never flips. Okay, that's what some people, the heart is so set on God that you can put the pressure of one ton upon them, it doesn't move them. Mm-hmm. Another fellow whose heart is not set on the world, he's set, set in the world, not in God. All he put is one kg, he falls. Okay, so it is nothing got to do with pressure. It is got to do with your heart. Yes. It is got to do with it. Like we answer the first question. It is the same thing. God says, you know, seek you first. Or in other words, he says, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. You have to love God. And when we talk about love, that's where the problem comes. That's, that is one term the devil has messed up in the world. Because love, you ask any average Christian when he says love, the immediate answer is, but I don't feel anything. Because love has been made into feelings. Love is not feelings. Love is an action verb. 
It's an action. And you can act. God so loved the world, he gave his son. It's an act. It's not a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's an action. He gave his son. And if you really love God, you can always give yourself. It's an act. You have a will, you can give it. What is stopping you? If you love your wife, you can always give yourself. What is stopping you? Mm. If you love your children, you can always give yourself. Yes. What is stopping you? Exactly. Mm. No, I don't feel. That's the problem. Mm. We are slaves of our feelings. We are slaves of feeling, and that's how the devil has has what you call it mm, perverted the word love. Let's go to to that uh, Revelation chapter two. Revelation chapter two. Hmm? Verse 4 and 5. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you left your first love. Remember therefore from where you have fallen, and repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from his place unless you repent. What is the indictment of the church in Ephesus? He says you have fallen from your first love. And he says the way back is what? Do. What you did. Not feel. No, he's not talking about feelings. Mm. Not talking about feelings. This is what did you do it's in the beginning? Action verb, yes. It's an action verb. What did you do in the beginning? Mm-hmm. How did you serve me in the beginning? Just do it. Go back and do it. The feelings will follow. Amen. Just mm. do it. The feelings will follow. If you're going to follow your feelings, you will never reach anywhere. He said, just do what you have to always did. Remember how zealous you were for me? You woke up in the morning, you prayed, you read your word, you never missed any meeting, you listened, you had your headphones on, your word. Just go back and do it. And you were there in the church, serving, serving. You were never bothered if pastor said a hi or a bye. You just wanted to do whatever you could do. You did it with joy unto me. And he said, nobody saw you, but I saw you. Yes. Hmm. And I saw. And that's what he talks about Israel. Remember your zeal when you were young? And I brought you out. He's talking about it. That's a simple thing. And you have to do these works. You have to do these works. Okay. That's why when you go and read First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 4, 5, 1 words, when again it talks about love. Okay. The funny thing is that it is all action words. Mm. Love suffers long and is kind. Mm. Okay. Love. Love is kind. Kindness is always shown in action. You don't keep feeling of kindness in your mind and somebody knows about it. <laughs> how did somebody know he was so kind? What happened? No, when I went through, he did this. Okay, oh, that's how you found it was kind. These are all action words. They're all action words. So that's how we have to look at it. That's how we have to look at life. Because this is how the enemy messes it up. Because you know what? Now go back to Revelation. Revelation chapter 2, verse 5, the indictment of that church. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What is he saying? He says, if you don't do what I am telling you to do, because that's what a life of love is. The only, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matters. The only thing matters is faith, faith work expressed in love. love. He says, if you don't live that life and faith without works is dead. He says, if you don't do that, what I will do is that I will remove my lampstand. And do you know what it is? It is to live in spiritual darkness. A lot of believers, they're saved, but their lives are dark. Lives are very dark. 
It's like the last few days Israel spent in Egypt. It was dark. It was dark. Have you lost your salvation? No. no. Are you happy? No. no. That is what David is saying. Restore <laughs> unto me the joy. the joy of my salvation. Why? Light has gone out. Light has gone out. And that's what he's talking about. He says, why? You want the light back? He says, do the works which you did in the beginning. beginning. And you will see there are works involved. And you have a will there. You exercise your will. And you say, you know what? I'm going to love my God. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to start there. And then suddenly you realize, be consistent in that. You will realize the joy of the Lord is your strength. It is actually when you don't have to be happy. You don't have to be happy. But you have to be joyous. Happiness has always got to do with happenings. And you have no control over happenings. But joy is something that is deep within, which cannot be touched by the enemy if you do what God tells you to do. And that's what Paul is sitting there. Is he happy? No. Because he can't move properly, the chains are biting, it's absolutely filthy, the dungeon, it is cold, it is terrible, all the other prisoners are grumbling, abusing, everything. Is he happy in that situation? No. Is, does he have the joy of the Lord? Yes. He will not allow it to be touched. Why? Because he's absolutely unfocused on doing what God has called him to do. And that's Philippians, a letter that blows your mind away if you look at the context in which it is written. And people confuse these two things. Okay, you don't have to pretend with before God. Okay, if something is happening, you did something terrible is happening, you don't have to be happy, but you can still sing. Hmm. Can still sing. Okay, that's what Paul and Silas are doing. They're singing. Okay, they're not justifying anything that is happening. They're not at all happy about anything. That's very clear. The next day morning, when they come to free them, they said, "No, we are not coming out." Go tell them to come and take us, escort us out of this place because they are a sad being. They were not at all happy about what they happened. But they, did they react that way? No. They reacted to the joy that was inside. They sang and they worshipped God. So don't confuse these two things because in the world, like the American preamble to the Constitution, is the pursuit of happiness. Hmm. You're not pursuing happiness. Hmm. That's how America built Babylon up. It was a pursuit. It's money, 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 money. They don't worship the almighty God. They worship the almighty dollar. And Indian rupees, by the way, is crashing against it. I think in a couple of months it will reach 100. Oh, boy. Okay. All, all currencies in the world is crashing. Even, even the British pound, British the pound. Chinese yuan, every currency is crashing against the dollar because the Federal Reserve is hiking their rates. So it's better to put your money there than to be in other. So everybody is pulling out money and investing in the dollar. The dollar is going up. Okay. It has its pros and cons. Ultimately, it will reach to superinflation, hyperinflation, and the whole thing will start come crashing down if we People are not careful. But again, we are not worried about, we are, we are not happy about uh, inflation, but we have the joy of God's provision. That is how joy comes. Mm. My God shall supply. Shall supply. Oh. Then the whole, how will God supply my provision is the question. Famine is here. People are all going through tightness. How will God supply? It is not theory. It is practical. 
go back to the lady in famine. And Elijah said, you make it and give it to me first. And that is where the rubber meets the road. Everybody likes theory. God says, give. <laughs> it shall be given unto you. And there you have this whole bill list over there. And you buckle under pressure and say, next month. God said, then go through darkness this month and next month if you obey, light will come. This is of a problem as long because, you know, we've been looking at blessings and curses in the church, right? Right? Yes. Go to Malachi. Malachi. Chapter Look at the curse. Chapter 3. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You Malachi. stole from God. Yes. Look at Malachi. Yes, yes, Malachi. Got it? Chapter 3, bro. Yeah. Malachi chapter 3. 3.10. Yeah. 3.10? Yes, yes. Yeah. Actually, actually from verse 7 onwards yeah. you can read Verse, uh, verse 8, okay. 8 and 9. Okay. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But he said, in what way have you robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. I mean, think about it. Can you rob God and get away with it? Okay. And that's the thing. Okay. Now, we need to realize in the new covenant, uh, there is uh, no teaching about tithes. So, technically, honestly looking into the new covenant, there's no teaching about tithes. But you have to be careful. Because Jesus, in his sermon on the mount, says, your righteousness should exceed <laughs> that of the Pharisees, who tithe even there from their cumin seed and mustard seed. They're very careful to take 10% off and give it. And how does my righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisee? Are you going to be a 10% Christian in the new covenant? No, that is law. The law says go one mile. Grace says two. Law says give ten. ten. Grace never can stop with ten. Those are things. And you know, you have no worry. You have no fear. You have no anxiety. Though it will come, but it you you break its power by giving. Yeah. There's no other way, not by just confessing. No. How do you break the power of lack? Mm. The anxiety that comes by you say, you know what? I am going to break it. You know the first thing Elijah tells the woman? Give it to me. He says, fear not. No, yeah, yes. He says, fear not. I know fear. Poverty can grip your heart. The fear of poverty, because you know, especially if you read the Bible and read history, how people have gone crazy with hunger and thirst. So God is sympathetic with the children of Israel when they cry and rebel. He's not. Moses loses his temper. God doesn't lose his temper with them. Because he knows what thirst can do. Mm -hmm. You see, people can go mad out of thirst, insane out of thirst and hunger. They can do things unbelievable where it is written in the Bible and human history, women ate their children. That is the closest relationship you can, tender relationship you can talk about, okay? But how do you break through this? How do you come out of this? It's only by faith. But the problem is when we talk about faith, we know faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. And then there is this third part, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. The woman has heard from Elijah. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. You do what I am telling you to do. 
your bin will never go empty, your oil jar will never go empty. Now the rubber meets the road. What are you going to do? Because as far as you see, there is only this much, there is only this much. This man is saying, you do it. I was planning to make two rotis. He's saying, no, make three rotis. So I'm going to end up with less than with more. Okay, you're thinking about eating. And now he's taken that also out. One third has been taken out for him. And he says, first make it and give it to me. The question is, will you obey? There's an obedience that comes from faith. And I'm telling you, that is where people falter. But when people obey, they will experience the blessing of the widow during famine. Every day God comes through. Every day God will come through. Until the dam breaks. There's a day set for the dam to break. But that has got to do with something bigger than you. Okay, bigger than you, because it is to turn a nation back to God. There's a day when the heavens will open, rain will pour out, and uh, the harvest will be there in a season's time. But till then, you have to obey God. And that is where people falter. People Mm. falter. And you know what? They never experience... They experience the fruits of their hard work, the fruits of um, thrift, the fruits of savings, the fruits of a fixed deposit, all that. But they never experience the power of God of daily provision. They don't know what it is. And once you have gone through it, I've known it, you have broken the stronghold of fear. You are not afraid anymore. You are not afraid anymore. But that's what the security they're talking about. There's security in all these things. Yes, but it's a human security. Uh-huh. It is good. You need to. But that is not how God still does his work. And Jesus taught his disciples that way. One of his final statements when he speaks to his disciples before he goes to the cross is, when I sent you out, without this, 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 no money bag, nothing, did you lack anything? Nothing. They said, why? Because they heard, they believed, Amen. they obeyed. So the first statement Peter and John will make when they step out into ministries, silver and gold, we do, not we do not have. But what we have is more than enough. We have Christ Jesus. We have Christ Jesus. <laughs> Paul is sitting there in prison, absolutely cool as a cucumber, mm. and he tells everybody, my God, Shall supply your need. needs. <laughs> My God, in your need. Your needs. So we have to break through this fear Super barrier. Hum. Fear barrier. We have to. Because this insecurity comes from fear. Hmm. Security comes from fear. Yep. Okay. Insecurity comes from fear. And that's why God tries to speak to us using symbols which we understand. Because what do we need to eat? In a normal way, we need bread, we need water to drink. Right? Water to drink. And that's what he gave them. He gave them bread from heaven every day. And they couldn't keep it for the next day. If they did it, it went bad. Basically, teaching them, I am your provision. You don't have to fear. And they are in a situation where only fear should work. Because they are in the wilderness. There is no source of provision, either for bread or water. Second, they are surrounded by enemies. Everybody around them hates them. 
is surrounded by enemies to the left, to the right, to the front, to the back. Everybody they look around hates them. And they have no provision. And God is saying, you know what? I'm your provision. I'm your protection. Trust me. Trust me. And for 40 years he took care of them. Nobody could touch them. They were destroyed by their own rebellion. But not by their enemies. And that's what exactly God is teaching. So he gives us this symbol. And Jesus comes and says, you know what? I am the bread from heaven. I am the bread from heaven. And in the new covenant, because it is not law and it is grace, Jesus goes beyond water to wine. Water quenches my thirst. Wine is a symbol of joy. Mm. It's beyond satisfaction. It's beyond feeding my hunger. He says, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. abundance. Mm. And this is the spiritual truth. But how do you appropriate this truth? There are ways. And of course, there are a lot of crooked men within brackets of God who use this and commercialize this and keep on telling people, give, give, it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together. The Lord is telling me 500 people to give $10 each, another 520. All these things they will use and manipulate. But I'm not talking about that. But the fundamental principle in it Still doesn't change. It is still the same. The principle doesn't change. Because somebody has misused does not mean the principle. Somebody who did not know how to drive took the car and crashed it does not mean the car doesn't work. Uh Only problem is that fellow did not know how to drive. Because some people misuse the principles of the kingdom of God does not make it cease to be the principle of the kingdom of God. What is the principle? Give it and it shall be given unto you. That's the only way. There's no other way. Amen. There's no other way. Give and it shall be given unto you. And that is where our ears have to be open to, you know, because everybody has something to give. Everybody has something to give. This woman thought she had nothing to give. And it was an object lesson for centuries. The prophet is sent to a poor widow in Zarephath. And God made it very clearly. I have commanded that widow to feed you. And you go to her house, you would think she has nothing to give. But she has something. One handful of flour and a little oil. And God says, give that. Give that. You give that. You give that. You look look into that widow's life and look into all of us who are listening in all our churches. I'm telling you, most people have more than she has. Most people or almost all people have more than what she has. The question is, what have you given? What have you given? Because that is the nature of God. God is, that's why the Bible says you need to ask this question. The Lord said, Paul says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Why is it more blessed? You should ask the question. Well, God said, so why? Because you break the stronghold of fear Fear. in your life. Break the stronghold of fear in your life. Insecurity mm. is gone. Mm. Insecurity is gone. Mm. You experience God as your provision, mm. not just provider. As your provider. there's a difference between these two terms. God as your provider, and God as your provision is not the same. Yes. You experience God as your provision. And that's what Paul is experiencing. God has a provision. He tells to two ladies who are squabbling in the church. He has to write from the prison to them. Stop fighting. Okay, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. 
the lord is near he says you know what i can sense it in my spirit you guys are quabbling the lord is upset because <laughs> he's here with me he's there with you too you're not experiencing him at all i'm able to experience him here i should be upset instead i'm upset about you both okay that's how you look at life faith is a real thing there's only two ways you can walk either faith or sight Pastor, all questions. And the problem is, let me tell you, when you try to walk with faith and sight, mixing, it will work in the world, it will not work in the kingdom. Telling you. God says, Second Corinthians 5, 7, my people shall walk by faith and not by sight. sight. Okay? We walk by faith and not by sight. Sight is how the world does. And that's where they find their security in all these things. Believers try to mix both. And the problem is, you try to mix both, you're still walking in the world. You're not walking in the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God will not accept anything of sight. But you feel good because you think I'm walking by sight and I'm walking by faith. You know? And everything is fine. Meaning? You go to church tomorrow, Sunday, first Sunday, you come, you worship, you do everything. And then Monday to Saturday, you are absolutely walking in the world, in the ways. I'm not saying you are sinning or anything, but your decisions are all made as the world makes. There's no difference between your life and the life of an unbeliever. The decisions are the same. So you believe that I'm walking by faith. But the issue is you will wake up one day and realize Everything that you did was judged. Nothing is there. Because God will not allow faith and sight to be mixed. He will not allow the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world to be mixed. It will not happen. It will not happen. For anybody. Hmm. In the Bible, you look through that. For anybody. He will not allow. Ishmael has to go out. I'll bless him. But he will never inherit. Ishmael is born of Abraham in the promised land, but he will not inherit. These are fundamental things which, because the error believers make is they're constantly mixing faith and sight. And the thing is that that's, I mean, it can be so dangerous like that rich man and Lazarus, the rich man. He definitely is a religious man because he talks about the Moses and calls him Father Abraham and everything and all. And I'm definitely sure that he was a regular member at the synagogue. For all you know, he built, probably built the synagogue also. All that. But the fact was that he mixed both. When you mix sight and faith, what you get is religion. And religion is not acceptable by God. There is a life to which we are called. It is a life of faith. And when you walk by faith and you learn to walk by faith and as you get stronger and stronger in faith, what goes is fear goes. Fear goes. Insecurity goes. You get you get your security in Christ. You are secure in Him. And that's, that's what I guess. The practical example in the Bible is Apostle Paul. Absolutely secure. Absolutely secure. He, he, he should be sec- insecure, but he's not insecure at all. Absolutely secure in God. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, all questions are uh, 
kind on, on money and time and mm-hmm. and priorities this is again question number 3 it's very interesting uh, it kind of uh, seamlessly progresses into this uh, lack of fear of the living living god leads us to love and worship the world worshiping the worshiping the world is to pour out our precious time effort and treasure into the passing glory of the world would you say love for this world introduces us and drags us into the fear of the world of the things of the world see one is the lack of the fear of the living god yes then there is this fear of the world is always connected with loss mm-hmm. yep connected with loss okay and the answer the answer jesus gives in john chapter 7 john chapter 7 uh sorry uh, yeah 7 7 john chapter 7 37 and 38 on the last day that great day of the feast jesus stood and cried out saying if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink this is his answer There are many of these invitations of Jesus says come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. That's a first invitation, second, take my yoke upon yourself, learn of me, I am meek and lowly. Second and another invitation. But this is a different invitation altogether. He says, you know what? Come to me, anyone who thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You know what he says immediately? He who believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water you say you know what it says if you come to me and drink the result is this one you will never be empty two my life will overflow out of you wow yeah my life will flow out of you and that's what the the writer of the old covenant in the proverbs will say there is one who gives and it is never he is never empty It's never empty. Okay. There's another who withholds, but he's always empty. So go back to the question and look at how it begins. You know, lack of fear of the living God leads us to love and worship. You know, and for the, finally, you would say, love for this world introduces us and drags us into the fear of the. The entire fear is the fear of loss. But God says, you know what? Come to me and be satisfied. be satisfied drink your full our security comes you know what are the things that we are running after oh. name anything mm. you are pursuing in this world you know what it is real otherwise we won't pursue it but it is temporary god is also offering us what is real and permanent, permanent. yes permanent. appreciation he says i have loved you with an everlasting love you want to be appreciated he says you want to be approved you don't worry about others you just do what i tell you to do it does not matter that the whole world put him up on the cross and rejected him he was approved of the father amen ultimately that was the only thing that mattered the mm. father raised him up far above every ruler principality and gave him a name above all names so it did not matter who rejected him Paul was rejected by the whole church in Asia which he planted and is lying like a fugitive in a, in a, in the in the prison but time has proved everybody who rejected him wrong 
is one of the pillars on which the church has mm. been founded. He will be one of the most celebrated saints forever. Mm. So it didn't matter who rejected him. It didn't matter who rejected him. Okay. Mm. So that is how we have to look at that's 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 where the second Corinthians uh Chapter 4 and verse 16. We have our favorite verses in GTC. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing. Listen, listen carefully now. Look at that, you know. Because people in the world lose heart because their outward man is perishing. As your outward man starts perishing, they get more and more and more. I look at my own mom and she's in so many ways deteriorating. And I can see depression setting in. Mm. No depression setting in. Sometimes she just sits there and cries. I think yesterday <laughs> she calls Sammy and she was crying. Okay. Okay. So the thing is that, you know, if you didn't have a very vibrant, strong... See, these are things which... You cannot manufacture on the day of trouble. Mm. You have to be prepared for the day of trouble. And the entire teaching of the word of God is to prepare when that day comes. Okay, That you don't go out like a fizz, but you go out with a blast. And that's how he says, I have fought a good fight and I have finished my race. There is no defeat in his words. You cannot prepare for these days when you, there's these spiritual disciplines in which you need to walk and you do it during the good days because you trust the one who said it. Yeah. Because you know, he's seen my end from the beginning. He's shown me all the scriptures, all these people. He's shown me the ways and the methods of the kingdom. You know what? I may think I may not need it now, but I'm still going to do it. Yes, yes, yes. You know what? Because when the day and the hour of evil comes, I will be able to stand. I am able to stand. You need to understand. You read the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, chapter 1, begins with Daniel and his four friends going on a three-year non-wedge denying, wine-denying fast. And three years of fast is how they begin their life in good times. They have been handpicked by a Gentile king to be in the king's palace. In the this thing, they have the best of everything. You know what their first decision is? When the times are good, we will live a frugal life, life of fasting. Do you know when the days of hours of testing and all came? Fasting is normal for them. They don't even blink. When the day of evil comes, he can fast for 21 days and God has to send angelic hosts to give him an answer because he knows this man will fast until he gets his answer. Amen. Do you know where he started? Not when he was in bad days, when he was in good days. Amen. That's why we say, when the days are good, the days are, that's why God tells, no? And we have these great fables, which is basically primarily from biblical one tells the, the grasshopper and the ant stories and all. He says, go and learn from the ant. Go and learn from the ant. When the winter comes, he's prepared. Why? Because he's working hard during summer. 
in the days of your youth, Solomon will tell the young, in the days of your youth, remember your creator. Get these spiritual disciplines in place because there is a season. That's why the writer Solomon himself will say, is it in Lamentations? Lamentations says, it is good for a man to, man to bear a yoke in his youth. In his youth. Okay. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in you. What is this yoke? Jesus says, take my yoke. So what does it mean? You, t- you should do it when you are young. What about me? No, that's not what I'm saying. It does not matter your age. When did you get saved? Start off with a bang immediately. You have got it saved at 80. Start now. Get your spiritual disciplines in place. Start your fasting life, your prayer life, your word life. Get these disciplines in because when you are saved, you are full of zeal. Full of zeal. The days and weeks you are saved, you are full of zeal because that it's you have drunk new wine. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they said about the <laughs> day of Pentecost. Well, These people have drunk new, new wine. Those are the days you should this thing. Then later, the testing of faith comes. You are ready. You are ready. You know what it is to fast. You know what it is to pray. You know what it is to stand on your word. All these things because. Mm. So, I'm not talking about, oh, I am now 60 years old. I'm not. Okay. It simply says, your youth. So, when you are born again, actually your spirit is very young. Very young. And it really loves the Lord. Those are the days. Mm. Like all of us have experiences that I remember. I didn't go to college. <laughs> yep. Sat, shut myself and read my good news Bible, went to the mess, eat and came back. I was just reading. No? Now you look back. <coughs> look back. I was thinking yesterday, you know, two days back when Brother Andrew passed away. You no, know? Because I look back and though, because I, I had no church. Primarily, I had no church or mentors because I was just saved in a youth group. Uh, coming from a Catholic family, I went, after getting saved, I went back to the Catholic church. It looked like a funeral home. So I was very uncomfortable there after that. You know, I wouldn't go. And uh, I look back on my days and I look back at the people God gave me in the days of my youth, which sustained me even now when difficult spiritual, real difficult, not difficult in the sense battle days are here, is that when it came to doctrine, he gave me directions. Okay? When it comes to endurance, he gave me Richard Wombrand and Watchman. When it came to missions, he gave me Brother Andrew. These were the four people on which my life was grounded on when I was young. And the exact words which Brother Andrew used, which God gave him, are the exact words I had to use in missions. You can make seeing eyes blind. And I've seen doors open. When it came to missions, honestly, missions, it was Brother Andrew in so many ways who framed my thinking, how God worked through him. And he passed on September 27th. Okay. When it came to endurance, how to endure, these two people were whom I read when I was a young boy, young man in my early 20s when I just got saved. The watchman Nia and Richard Wumert. And when it came to doctrine, it was the most boring, monotonous voice of Derek Prince, but blessed teacher. Yeah, brother. question about it. Look at, when you look at that, you know, so mm. those were the foundations. Now you look back and say, boy, 
If this testing had happened 30 years ago, you would have crumbled and fallen into pieces. But now each day, you don't blink. You don't blink. But you look back and you realize, you know what? Thank you, Lord. Here was a man who did not have a church, who did not have mentors, anything. You supernaturally reached out into his touch and gave him mentors. Okay? And one of those great mentors, great men, went to Dutch. He went to be with the Lord <coughs> three days back, Brother Andrew. And if you were to look at any news in the Western world, no. did you hear? No, buddy. But a man, but a man who changed modern history, who impacted modern history than any surviving man of God. Mm. Now, mm. he was the one who passed away. You have no clue the impact of Brother Andrew in the communist world. Yes, yes, yes. What he did in mm. the communist world. I mean, that's his testimony, how it starts. Yeah, it all starts. The autobiography, what he says. Yeah. He says you have to read God's yeah, Smuggler. Yeah. You have to get your children when they start reading yeah. God's yeah, Smuggler, yeah, I mean, God's yeah. Underground. These are books you should read. Yeah, the other day, uh, Abigail was saying, she mm. said, um, I heard Papa uh, that uh, Brother Andrew passed away. I wanted to meet him in person. That was one of my prayers. Now I can meet him only in heaven. Yes, I wanted to meet all these people, but we'll meet them in heaven. But yeah. you need to realize, you get need to get to when the children reach their that age, when they are able to read and understand. These are books which you should give them to read. Mm-hmm. God's Underground, Faith into their spirit, and yes. God's mm-hmm. Smuggler. These are all books to see, wow, mm-hmm. this is real. And this man impacted the world. In even in today, even in Biden's administration, every year, the United States Congress, there's a report that is presented about religious freedoms in the world. And one of the reports that is handpicked and the Congress accepts is the report of Open, open Doors, doors started, started by, by Brother, Brother Andrew. Andrew. Yes. And that is one of the yardstick by which nations are put on religious discrimination and persecution comes from open doors. This man, because he he knows what persecution is and what persecuted people go through. Okay, so amen, that's, amen. That's how we have to look at yes, it. Yes, yes, no? yes, yes. So yes. this is how we work. So that is how. And no, the fear of God. No. Fear of God. The love of God, it's like two sides of a coin. You have to balance it properly. The love of God and the fear of God. The fear of God keeps you from sinning. <laughs> the love of God keeps you serving Him. Superb. Mm. It's what? Superb. See, you can fear God and never serve God. <laughs> That's a young man. That man said, I never did this, I never did this. What did you do? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> There are lots of people like that. You actually look at them, they are very nice people. But they won't do anything because they only fear God. They don't love God. And there are others who love God, but they don't fear Him much. (laughs) But he put these two together. The fear of God. We have another question connected with the fear of God. The fear of God and the love of God. Put it together. You know what? That is Apostle Paul. Okay, the love of God and the fear of God. <coughs> Boy, yes, let's go to that question. First of all, question number four, I, mm. I think you should finish this thought because it's like okay. a fantastic question. Again, it's mm. talking about priorities. Mm. Maybe 
This question is also very interesting. If our love for money is still our top priority, then we should start finding excuses for our stand, like thinking that we are utilizing God-given talents, we are making money to help the poor or to contribute more to the church. So we make extra money or work hard to give to the poor. Then we will constantly be occupied by the worry of loss, profit or uncertainty in the market. Share your thoughts on this place. I mean, I mean I, the reason why I want to, uh, okay. uh, okay. how do you uh, balance this uh, fact that... Uh, yeah, let's go to the beginning of the question. If our love for money is still our top priority, then we would start finding excuses for our stand, like thinking that we are utilizing God-given talents, you are making money to help the poor. See, uh, we have to be, we have, that's where we judge ourselves. Mm. We judge ourselves. It's 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 like uh, like this person who goes in and orders this body, uh, you know, this extra large burger. pizza or burger, burger with all these cheese toppings and extra everything, and then eats it and then orders a diet coke to feel good. <laughs> <laughs> So many believers, they love money. They love money. And they comfort themselves by saying, you know, but I actually want to help the poor. (laughs) But the simple question is, how many poor have you helped? (laughs) Oh, boy. So, that's where we should not uh, fool ourselves. Okay, fool ourselves. But on the other hand, the principle also is there in the book of Ephesians chapter yeah, four, 4. Those who and yeah, stole. Okay. Mm-hmm. Verse 28. Mm-hmm. It says, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has That's need. Mean. So he says, you know what? You have to break that spirit. Mm. Covetousness is a spirit. Okay, Covetousness is a spirit. He says you have to break that spirit. How you wake that spirit is one, uh, start working hard. Mm. Start working. But stop stealing. Start working. Yeah. And work also to give. Yeah. Work to give. So that you break this, okay, because a lot of people sadly are stealing. They are stealing. They are not working. They are stealing. They are stealing. And we have to be very, especially today's case, today's scenario, we cannot take that, we take biblical principles, but we cannot take all biblical patterns. We have to take a principle and apply to a pattern of our age. Because in our age, if you look at it today, both men and women go out to work. So you cannot take a biblical pattern and say, I will apply it into my home because we don't have that pattern now. Where you have that pattern, it is fine. But where you don't have that pattern, you have to take the principle. So men and women who, when they both go to work, have to take equal responsibility for the work in the home. Otherwise, you are stealing. Oh, okay. Otherwise, okay. you are stealing. Oh. One person is stealing from the other. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And many of the miseries in the in, in homes are connected with that. Because a man thinks, but I am the man, and the woman is supposed to do the household work. And just I accept that. It's fine. But the question is, is she, like we say in, in India, is she a housewife or is she a working wife? You can't have it both ways. Yes. You yes. can't have it both ways. If she is a working mother, then you have to take responsibility for the things in the house. Equal responsibility. <coughs> and if you can't handle it, then you say, honey, you stay home, take care of it. I will go home, out and I will bring in the provision. Mm. You cannot have it both ways. And that's, these are fundamental issues. What I'm saying is there are biblical principles and there are patterns. All patterns don't meet. Don't meet. You have to look at patterns. All patterns. Like, First um, um, Peter 3 will talk about um, uh, wives being submitting to husbands and talk about Sarah as an example. But we have a pattern of Sarah's submission to Abraham. Don't bring that pattern today. If your husband says, I am, you know, I'm going to sell you to somebody who will come and take you so that my life will be saved. You know, he's not a husband, he's a pimp. Okay. Oh. That pattern is different. That pattern is, today you don't have to worry. Nobody is going to be have law and order. We have security. Those things cannot happen. Mm. Idly cannot happen. It still happens in like warped up places. But generally those things don't happen. So don't take that pattern and apply it into your home. No. Take that principle of submission. So that's why we have to be very, very careful about patterns and principles. The principles of God are eternal. Patterns, we have to look into our own times, our own society, our own homes, and apply those principles in our homes. The principle does not change. Submission is the husbands love your wives as Christ Jesus loved the church. That will never change. Wives submit your husband in all things as unto the Lord. It will not change. What is the pattern? What is the pattern? Look into the pattern and work it out today, not then. Because times have changed. Yes, yes. Times have changed. This is this is where these issues come in. So uh, you go back to the question. You know what? Hmm. Money. See, let's let's be brutally honest. Okay, we need money. Money can solve a lot of problems in life. A lot of problems in life. Let's say, uh, husband and wife both are working. And they are living like hand to mouth. If they have extra money, they can hire a good maid and life becomes simpler. Right? Yeah. By which we buy the products we need in life. Mm. Okay. So he says, don't love money because when you love money, your heart will go crazy. But he says, you need money. You need money. So money is not primarily, see when we talk about unrighteous mammon their mammon is actually a Syriac Aramic word which means gain mm. okay, now I'm saying is that I'll use an example, okay now this is money it's just paper, this has no life, this has no life now let us say, I'm a covetous man, Pastor Vijay is a generous man, now you know what the color of this money, it is covetous why? Because I am covetous. I give it to him. He takes it. Its nature changes. You know what nature it takes? It takes his nature. It becomes generous. The hand that holds it. The hand that holds, holds it. it. Okay. 
it's not just the hand that I holds mean, the it, heart the heart that, that has, has it. it. Mm. That's what God is talking about. Mm. Okay. Mm. Because when you love, see, the real, when you talk about love, love always comes from the heart. Love comes from the heart. Okay, love comes from the heart. God says, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. Okay, but love has to originate from the heart and not from the mind. If love originates only from the mind, you won't do anything. You will be armchair lover. But when you love from the heart, anything or anybody, you will also act on it because it's from the heart. That's why God is saying love from the heart. Okay, that's why when we see some people, we'll say, you know what? Yeah, he's he's a good worker, but his heart is not in it. Mm, yes. So his heart is not in it. Mm-hmm. Ah, he's good. Yeah, he's efficient, but mm. his heart is not in it. Because you know his heart is yeah. not in it. So when Bible is talking about money, we need to be very practical about it. We need money. Money can solve a lot of issues in life. Okay, but we also need to be Good stewards of money. Good stewards of money. And that's where we need discernment so that we we know what our needs are and what our wants are. For most people, their scripture, what they say and what they think are two different things. They say, my God shall supply all my need. But actually they mean greed. And it is not written, my God shall supply all my greed. greed. <laughs> it says, my God shall supply all my need. Okay, so first he says, no, godliness with contentment mm-hmm. is a great thing. If you have food on your table, clothes on your back. Okay, now he's using, an, like I'm saying, he's using a principle and, and a pattern, pattern. Yeah. of 2000 years back mm-hmm. when Clothes are very expensive. If somebody had two pairs, he was not a poor man. If somebody could eat three meals a day in India, he is not a poor man because there's a lot of people who cannot eat three meals in India. Okay? So today, if you take the pattern, it basically means you got a house. You got a house. Okay? You got a house. You got money to pay your children's fee. Those fees has to be paid. See, you have to fit the pattern in. Of your times. Oh, I have clothes and I have food, but I have no fee money to pay my children's fee. But God said I should be content. He says, hey, you're getting a pattern wrong. <laughs> you're getting a pattern wrong. Your pattern is wrong. Your pattern is to be for your time. In your time, what are the things that we actually need? need? Mm. We need things. We need a roof above. We cannot sleep on the roads because they will take you and put you in the beggar shelter. Because they don't allow it. I mean, at least in San Francisco, everywhere else, they will pick you up. In the democratic cities, you can sleep wherever you want. Okay, that is Biden's contribution to America. <laughs> <laughs> I have to dig, put that dig in because you look at how they're messing that country up, you no? Know? And uh, so you have to look at it that way. What is that I need in life today in this kind of world we are living in? You need to have a place where you can be safe, can be secure. You need a school where your children can go to get good education. We need good education. The fees to, to do. So these are all part of your need part of your need. So don't look at a principle in the Bible and make it your pattern. 
make it in your pattern. Okay, I'm not saying you own your own place. I'm saying have a place. Have a place. Until God, it's not wrong to own your own place. But let God give it to you, his ways. Because don't fix it when you are young. Unless it's an investment. It's an investment, it's a good, it's good, good to make an investment. Because otherwise what will happen is, once you fix your geographical location, it becomes difficult for God to move, move you. Yep. When your destiny may be somewhere else. Destiny may be well. You are a, you are a destiny's child. Remember, you are a destiny's child, and your destiny may be connected with another location. But because you fixed this place, now you are not willing to leave because you got attached to that place and you got comfortable with that place. And now, no, I don't want to start all over again. That's what the Bible is talking about. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob lived in tents. Could they were destiny's children. Mm. They were made to be the, the, what you call, the stalwarts of faith. They were the patriarchs, so they were defined. It, but to their children, see, that's what I said, you have to take patterns and principles, don't put them together. To their own children, who would come 500 years to the same land, God is saying, I will give you tents which you brought from Egypt. No, he says, I will give you houses, houses which you have not built. built. You're going to settle down, but not your forefathers. Mm. I'm giving them a pattern. In their generation, they will move from place to place because it is connected with possessing the land. Mm. But when you come, you will possess the land because they lived that way. Yeah. And when you come in, you will have houses and not tents. You know, not tents. You will have houses. Actually, if you look into Israel's history for a long time, the one who dwelt in the tent among the houses was God. His ark was in a tent. <laughs> That is what David wanted to build a house. And God says, I'm fine, comfortable with this <laughs> tent. Let your son build it. Because you're a man of blood. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's how you have to look at it. So don't make excuses, but use your God-given talents. You know? Be smart, be wise, invest. You know? All these things. That's why the Bible says, you be know what? Harmless be wise as a serpent, but be harmless as doves. I have sent you out. A sheep among wolves. Mm. So people sometimes, sometimes uh, what you call it, uh, Christians are incredibly financially foolish in their investments and in their spending habits. <laughs> okay. And uh, Gentile next door and uh, this thing are very smart. <laughs> they make right investments and they reap their investments also. Mm. And uh, this Okay, so we have to be also be wise about it. And I mean, if you look at the parable of talents, to one was given five, another was given two, one was given one, each according, according to their to own ability. ability. Mm. And what God expected was returns. He expected returns. And to the one who hid it, you know what exactly just said? Why did you put it in the bank? I would have got the interest. And Christians don't even put it in the bank. Before it comes, it is bent. Mm. They got this. It is going to come tomorrow. I'll spend it today. <laughs> he says, "This child of mine, I don't even get interest. Hmm? Forget investment returns. With this child of mine, I don't even get interest because it's already gone. <laughs> it is spent before it. <laughs> and he's paying interest also for yesterday's loans. Okay, so don't. Okay, 
<laughs> so there is a kingdom of God. Be wise, you know. So these principles are there. Read the book of Proverbs. Financial principles are all there, and then then God says, you know, "Give and it shall be." That's a that's a that's a kingdom principle. Hmm. That's not a world principle. Hmm, yeah. That's a principle that oversees and supersedes every financial market principle. Mm. That once you have heard, don't back down on that. Mm. That is where your breakthrough comes. Breakthrough comes. How long we don't know, but it will come. Mm. It's like Joseph, he was ten years giving, giving, giving in Egypt with no returns, and then on the Thirteenth, he had said it. Thirteen years, he's getting nothing out of it. But he's a giver in Potiphar's house and in the prison, giving, 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 no returns. But that's where his mind is framed. I'm a giver. On the thirteenth year, suddenly in one day, in the morning he was a slave. By evening he was governor of Egypt. You know why? Because for thirteen years he was a giver. So it is like that, you know. You put it on a fixed deposit, no, whatever kanya, whatever these things are there. Sukanya scheme. Sukanya scheme. You put when your daughter is five years old, she gets it is when she is eighteen, right? How many years did you put? Thirteen years, little, little, little. But when she is reached eighteen, it comes into your account. It's enough for her to go abroad and study. That was David. That was Joseph. Thirteen years giving, 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 giving. At the thirteenth year, morning slave, evening governor, because he lived by that principle. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And his situations, his constraints, never stopped him from giving. And even when he is standing as a Hebrew slave before the Pharaoh, he's still giving. This is the meaning of your dream, and Pharaoh. This is my advice to you. This is what you should do to escape this calamity. And Pharaoh looks around and says, "You know what? There's nobody smarter than you in this. I see the spirit of God in you. From today, X. You see, this 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 is another thing which I like about uh, like about Joseph, which should be there in all of us. Honestly, all of us." When Joseph was in Potiphar's house, this is what the Bible says. Potiphar did not bother about the household after that because he knew he could depend upon Joseph hundred percent. No loss from this man, only gain. He will do his duties to a T. Same thing. He goes into the prison. After that, the prison warden is on a long vacation because he doesn't have to worry. He puts Joseph in charge, and Joseph takes care of everything. Then he reaches the palace. And after that, the Pharaoh is on a vacation. <laughs> he says, "Nothing, everything except my household. Everything is in Joseph's hands." And the Pharaoh, even if somebody goes to Pharaoh, Pharaoh will say, "Don't trouble me. Go to Joseph." Mm. And that is what I am talking about. That's the kind of integrity God is talking about. That if something is committed to you, you should have a lifestyle where your boss will say, "I don't have to check on it." Right. It's like it will be done. It's like the same principle that Jesus also. I mean, yes. it's the like attitude of Jesus basically. You know, Father has entrusted everything into His hands, and He has taken a long vacation, and one day is going to entrust everything back. To everything father, back, back to the Father. I'll hands. put all His enemies under my feet, and then He will give the kingdom That's to the Father. So they don't okay. worry. These are fundamental things which we need to realize. This are, we, we don't realize. Mm. These principles are important in mm. our destiny. Amen. Amen. Yes. Don't look at temporary success. Yes. Yes. The thing is that whether these things. 
can something be committed into your hands and will you do it dutifully? Don't look at success. Paul plans, Apollos waters, increase comes from God. You can only plant, but the question is, how are you planting? Are you faithful in your planting? Are you faithful in your watering? Are you faithful in it? That's it. Okay. Because you see, I cannot produce results in somebody else's life. Yep. I cannot do that. I don't have the power. Not even my children. I don't have the power. Yep. Not even in my wife. I cannot produce that result. The only person I have the power to produce results is in me. But the question is, am I faithful in what I'm doing with my spouse and with my children and with my church? Amen. Am I faithful in that? Results are not in my hand. Yep. Because somebody may not be interested in the result. A child may not be interested. Your spouse may not be interested. Your sheep may not be interested. But you are not living your life before them. You are living your life first being accountable to God. Okay, Accountable to God. So don't look there. He was given five. He brought ten. It does not happen. It did not happen in Paul's life. He worked harder than all the apostles put together. But at the end of the, his life, it looks like he had nobody. Literally nobody. Jesus worked so long from morning to night for three and a half years, but at the end on the cross, he had nobody. Hmm. So don't look at the, the material realm. Don't look at this realm. Look into future. How will it be in eternity? Like brother Andrew. What is the legacy he left? Where did he start as a young Dutchman? And how did he impact the whole world? Open Doors is practically there in every persecuted nation. They are one of the most primary two people, if you look at it. Richard Wimbrun's, um Voice of the Martyrs. Voice of the Martyrs. The, his, this thing. And uh, Brother Andrew's Open Doors. Mm. And God can use both people. Richard Wimbrun was in, in prison for, for 14 years. years. Brother Andrew did not go in to prison. prison yeah. But both worked with the persecuted churches. Mm -hmm. So you cannot replicate one person's life. Oh, Brother Andrew has never been to... No. God can use each one differently. And both have such tremendous impact for generations. So we have to look at... So See, leave the result to God. Leave the result to God. Our job is to see that we have that. So when the servant enters into God's presence, the first thing God says is, well done, my good and faithful servant. And each word is important. Whatever job you do, do it well. Do it well. It may be 20 minutes work. It may be 30 minutes work. But do it well. Well done. Don't do a sloppy job. Don't do a hurry, very sloppy job. Don't do that. Do well. Do well. That's the first commendation he gets. Well done. He did that job well. Okay. Not only was it well done, it was good. Because there are a lot of well done unrighteous works. <laughs> a thief can go steal ten houses, bring ten lakhs home and he says, well done. His wife says, well done. <laughs> but it was bad work. Okay. Well done. Good. And the third thing is faithful. Mm. You are faithful. Faithful servant. No? So we have to get these pictures in. No? So when we look at money, please remember the illustration. Money is neutral. It has no life of its own. It takes a life of the person who holds it. And before he holds it, the life is already there in his heart. Mm -hmm. 
The only thing is that that note, that currency note, has just has to touch his hand, become his. It takes that nature. Mm-hmm. It either becomes covetous, or it becomes righteous, righteous or generous, mm-hmm. or it becomes fearful. If it is fearful, then the money will be hidden. That's what the fellow did. Insecure. The fellow is insecure and afraid. Will hide his money. Will hide his money. He won't use it. He won't even invest it. He will hide it. Because any investment, there is a risk. Even banks are a risk. Any bank can crash. So anywhere you put your money, except under your pillow, there is a risk. Your pillow is that. The one who changes your pillow, there is a risk there. <laughs> that, that. If you hide your money, you know. It's insecurity. It is fear. But everywhere else, there is a risk in it. And God says, take risks. Faith in so many ways is a risk. Mm-hmm. It's a risk. But it is the only thing that is guaranteed. With returns. With returns. <laughs> Eternal returns. Man. Okay. You put away treasure. See, the problem with the rich man who was planning to expand his bonds and all was not because he was rich, but because he was not rich towards God. God. Mm, that's it. Yeah. He was rich towards himself and poor towards God. God. Mm. That was his indictment. Mm. And the man who went to hell, remember the man who went to hell, his indictment, you know why? Because right in front of his gate, there was a man who was a beggar eating the crumbs from his table dressed in rags, sitting over there. He did not know his indictment or his blessing was sitting at his gate. Yeah. Hmm. Right at his gate. And he washed, walked past him and said, give him the leftovers. He did not know. That's what I said, faith without works is dead. Hmm. That's why when James uses that illustration, he says, you see somebody hungry and you say, God bless you and walk away. Somebody naked. Does your faith have any meaning? <laughs> And here is this man going up, even while going to the synagogue. Here is this man sitting over there. Ignored him all the those days. On the other hand, if you look at Lazarus, he's a grateful man. Gratitude is something which only godly people know. When you have nothing and you are grateful. I have used this, I have explained this before, because there's something told about Lazarus. Lazarus had sores and the dogs licked it. Let me tell you, as somebody who knows dogs, dogs won't come to you unless you feed them. Hmm. Unless you're good to them and you feed them. If you're afraid of dogs and you don't like dogs, dogs won't come to you. If you like dogs, dogs will come to you. Now you need to, yeah, you need to realize one thing about this dog is, about this man, a man is eating crumbs. (coughs) They're not eating from a plate, he's eating crumbs. And some of the crumbs the dogs get. He has nobody else. Nobody's going to take his crumbs. The crumbs, he's the end of the supply chain. (laughs) The only ones left to eat the crumbs are the dogs. So even when he's hungry, he shares with these dogs. And God sees. God sees a man sharing his crumbs. And he sees another man throwing the crumbs. And you know who knows God and who does not know God. So one did not reach hell, heaven because he was poor, or the other reached hell because he was rich. No, that is the wrong theology. That was not. It is the heart. One knew God because he gave. The other did not know God 
Therefore, he did not. He gave to himself. Gave it to himself. And that's what our love. And then you make all these excuses. This is why I'm working. 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 And people do that too. In homes also too. I'm not honey. I'm working. I'm working overtime and all. So that after that, we can buy a bigger house. But the problem is, <laughs> honey is waiting for you every day. Yeah. At the time you have worked for three years and four and more, made all that extra money to buy the second house. She's already filed for divorce. And you're now paying alimony. Not money, but alimony. <laughs> <laughs> but you always fooled yourself. I'm doing it for her. I'm doing it for the family. But the family didn't want more money. The family wanted more of you. Mm. They didn't want more money. See, this, is, this is how we fool ourselves. That's what This love of money can cause arguments, powerful arguments in our mind. Okay, Because you see, because we were created in God's image and God is truth, we cannot live without truth. So we will make a lie sound like a truth. If you can repeat any lie a certain number of times, you will believe it. Mm-hmm. You will believe it. You will believe it. And after some time, it becomes your truth and you live by that truth. But that truth is delusion. That truth does not set you free. It's delusion. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, there's one question. I think it's going to be a long question, but do you want to take it? It's a question on the fear of God. Oh, the, fe- the fear of God? Let's, okay. uh, let's, you want to read that? Okay. Yeah, we'll read it. When the, when the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning and the sound of trumpet and, and Mount Sinai smoking, they were afraid and trembled. And they stood afar off. The experience at Mount Sinai, when the Lord descended on it, was terrifying. Smoke engulfed the mountain. There was thunder, lightning, and a very loud trumpet blast. So terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. This is in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 21, and Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 22 says, Should you not fear me, declares the Lord? Should you not tremble in my presence? Some people ask if he is such a loving father, why should we tremble in his presence unless he is going to beat us up or crack the whip on us? Okay. Now, if you if you go to that portion, Exodus chapter 20, Okay, verse 18 to 20. Actually, uh, 19 verses. 19 yeah, verses. sorry, Exodus. Uh, chapter 19 yeah. verses. No, no, Exodus chapter 20. Also, okay, okay, fine. Okay, chapter okay. 20. Mm. Okay. 18 to 20. That is where it is. Now, all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpets, the mountain smoking, and when the people saw, they trembled and stood afar. Now, this fear is just a fear of the senses. Fear of the senses. Meaning when the thunder stops, that fear also will go. The lightning ceases, that fear also will go. Mm. Okay, There are a lot of fears like that. When you spank a child, uh, when the spanking is over, the fear is also mm. gone. Until the next spanking comes. Okay, They said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. Look at verse 20, that is the key. Moses said to the people, do not fear. For God has come to test you, that his fear may be before you, so that you may not be sinned. He says, do not fear, but fear. Two different things. Do not fear. This is a carnal, slavish, animalist kind of fear. He says, don't fear about that. But there's another fear. That is a fear of God. Fear of God. Let me tell you this. It doesn't matter how innocent you are. How much evidence is on your side. 
if you're appearing in the criminal court, there is a fear. Yep. The fear is because of the power he mm. holds. Mm. The power he holds. Because he has the power to lock you up or to bankrupt you. And that is a fear, the fear of God. That's the fear of God. Mm -hmm. Because of who God is. What causes that fear? There are two things. His holiness and His righteousness. Mm -hmm. Is that. If you go to the new covenant. Okay. If you come to the new covenant. The book of Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 26. To 31. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of truth, there is there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Or how much more worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing and insulted the spirit of grace. Now you need to ask this question verse 29. Is he talking to believers or unbelievers? Believers. Believers. Mm-hmm. And verse 30. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. His people. Mm-hmm. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. This is the truth about God. There's something about it, okay? And even has has when when as a child, I loved my father. Till today I love my father. I feared him. When I was a kid I feared him. Boy, I feared him. I loved him and I feared him. And I feared him. I didn't fear my mother. I loved my mother. I never feared her. But I feared my father because I knew he had the power to make my life miserable. When did the fear go? The fear left the day when he did not have the power to do that. Did love go? No. There was a certain age. After that I realized he, he, he will not punish me. He cannot punish me. He will not punish me. That's over. The fear left. But the love remained. But with God, that fear will never go. Never go. Should never go. That reverence. Because you know what? When will that fear actually go? On the day of judgment, when we stand before him, and when judgment is over, we know I have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. But in this life, there is, there is that. Even John the Apostle at the island of Patmos, when he had the vision of Jesus Christ, he fell like one dead at his feet. You know, when we see, when we actually there to see God in his all his glory. Of course there will be fear. I'm not talking about that kind of fear with the children of Israel had. That is just that fear comes and goes. That fear will not change you. It is it is this awe of knowing who he is one and what he is capable of. Capable of what he is capable of. I mean, that's why Jesus said, oh boy. do not fear those who can kill your body. Mm-hmm. After that, they have no power. But fear him. Fear him. Mm-hmm. Who after you are dead can take you 
and throw your body and soul into hellfire forever and ever. Fear him. Because he has that power and authority. He's the only one who has the power and authority to do that. And therefore, fear him. Which is true. So there has to be a very real, rational fear of God. Because God has the power. Okay? Has the power. Like, like I said, you may be absolutely confident when you are standing in the criminal court. But when the, but you are not the one who is evaluating the paper. It is he. Mm. And he looks at it and he says, you know what? I don't receive this. I don't receive this. I look at you and I look at the evidence presented. It is not enough to convince me. Therefore, this is my verdict. I sentence you. I pronounce you first guilty. Two, I sentence you. You're done. You're done. And when God says, your righteousness... Not a bad deed. Your righteousness is like filthy rags before me. On what are we going to stand before him? That's where God is. God in his mercy said, the only way you can stand before me in my own righteousness. That's why I must send my son to the cross. So let's look at the final words before we close. Romans 11, 22. And 23. Okay. Yeah, 22 is enough. Therefore, consider the goodness and the severity of God. On those who fell, severity. And toward you, goodness. If you continue in his goodness, otherwise, you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. He's talking about Israel and the church. Just consider his severity and his goodness. He said, don't burst. You are grafted branches. They are natural branches. I cut the natural branch off. I can cut you also off. Mm. See, you need to understand this thing. There is something which God will not compromise on. He will not compromise on his holiness. He will not compromise on his righteousness. Because that is how he is. Holy is who he is. Righteous is how he does things. These are two things on which he will never compromise. So how do we continue in his kindness? By appealing to his mercy. That's why the mercy gate is open. Come to me. Come, come, come boldly. Confidently to the throne of grace and receive mercy. And grace though you don't. But even if you have to come 70 times 7, he says, come and receive mercy. Don't take it for granted. Amen. Receive mercy. And that's where the Bible says, His mercies are new every, every morning. morning. And because of His mercies, we are, we are not consumed. consumed. There is a day when the mercy gate will be closed. Mm. It's because of His mercy. Even though He knew only eight were going to be saved, He still waited 120 years. Mm. The question is, for what? Not for them. But for us. That is how God is. God will wait 120 years in one generation for all other generations to tell us He's a merciful and a patient God. They rejected my mercy. You don't reject my mercy. To show that He's a very patient God in a generation where patience was worthless. To show other generations, I have never changed. I'm still merciful. I'm still patient. I'm still waiting. But one day the door will shut. 
That's why we don't understand sometimes God, because we won't do that thing. If we knew in the beginning that at the end of 120 years, only the first lot of eight people are going to be saved, why you wait 120 years? It's for The lesson is for other generations. This is who God is. He's patient. So therefore be patient. He's merciful. Therefore be merciful. This is how he teaches things. And that's why he never changes. He never changes. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Absolutely. You can call it a die? Absolutely. Okay. Australians have already called it a die. <laughs> okay. We'll pray? Yes. Must pray. We'll pray. Close. Father, we just want to thank you once again, Father, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts so many truths, reiterating into our lives, O oh Lord, to keep you first in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us and reminding us not only of your goodness, but also of your severity. Thank you, Father, for showing us your holiness and your righteousness, who you are and the way you do things. And therefore, I pray, Lord, all the truths that we have heard this evening, Lord, they will find place in our lives and in our hearts and in our lives, O oh Lord. Our beliefs will change our behavior. And Lord, that we will live lives worthy of our calling, worthy of the name that we bear, the name of your Son. Thank you, Father, for this time that you've given to us. I pray, Lord, that you'd continue to teach, your, teach us your ways, show us your paths, and lead us in the way of everlasting life. To that end, I pray that you'd bless even this time of teaching that we have received, multiply it, and use it, use us all for your glory, O Lord. Thank you once again, and if you tarry to come, and you choose to give us yet another day in the land of the living. I pray, Lord, that we will all be found in your house on time, ready and prepared to receive from you what you have to speak to us during these last hours of time. Thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. See you all tomorrow, October the 2nd. First Sunday. Communion Sunday. And the birthday also of the father of our nation. Hallelujah. Yes.